Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did Mario Lopez right before I came over here. And he was like, so tell me about Deadpool 3. Can you, are you going to be in Deadpool 3? And I'm like, I can't talk about that. And then as soon as I made a joke or two about that, he's like, okay, well, thanks for joining us. So it was just that, trying to get me to like slip out something about Deadpool 3. Let, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. The first thing I'll talk to you about is, is Deadpool 3. <laughs> That's right away. You and Mario Lopez can go fuck yourselves. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Use my code Jason and get $20 off your first order. Guys, what's up? Welcome back to the All Good Things podcast. Hello. My guest today is an old friend of mine. Uh, he is incredible. He has a new stand-up special right here on YouTube called Dear Jonah. It will be linked below. Go check it out. It is fantastic. I actually gave him notes on the special. That was amazing, by the way. Really good notes. <laughs> I gave TJ Miller, everybody, is here. TJ, thank you for coming. Hi, everyone. I gave TJ notes on the pot, on the stand-up special, and then he said, great notes. You texted me back, and you said, it's already locked. So the notes was I just more of an exercise of, for me to see what kind of notes I could give you, and maybe in the future I can give you notes yeah, again. Yeah, that's exactly right, and yeah. I will ask you because they were excellent, but I said, tell me what you think, and he kind of took that as give me notes and let me know what's bad about it. So it was great to hear those things after it was already locked. You said give me notes, didn't you? No. You didn't say give, give me, me notes? Give me your thoughts. Hang on a second. I know, I know we're, we're, we're rushed here. I got it. I got it. No, my we're own not rushed. Sanity. I can't wait to see this. <laughs> Any thoughts yet? If I said notes, then I definitely want to apologize. But I wasn't mad at you or didn't say anything bad. I just said great notes, totally useless to me at this juncture. <laughs> no, you. I was like, all right, I got to give this guy notes. He's asking me. Honestly, would love to hear what you think. I know you'll have thoughts. The Jonah thing is right up here. Oh, you're absolutely right. The, note, the word notes was not used. But, you know, to a lot of people, thoughts can be notes. Yeah. And thinking that you'll like something might be, please look at it and tear it to shreds. <laughs> I think I said there was one joke I didn't get. I thought they were all valid for sure. Good, good. The special's great. I loved it. So is your shirt. I wore this shirt for you. I wear banana pajamas. So... You're right on. When I look at when I think of you, I, I was picking out shirts today. I, I thought, Why do you think I wore my banana jacket? With my oh tiny yeah, bit totally of banana color. Out. That's it. Just a little bit. Um, yeah, it was. Thank you for your notes. Tell me, tell me about the special. Let's talk about that, and then we'll um, go about. So it's interesting. So what happened was, I um, I went into this wanting to film the pandemic special yeah that's what i was going to call it and essentially was i had all this material that i wrote just for the pandemic 
because all of my material that I was doing before the pandemic wasn't appropriate for the pandemic. I go into the audience, I kiss a man's head and pretend like he's my little kitty cat. Right. I have an audience member play, excuse me, the, um, the slide trombone. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> You're putting your lips it's on. It's a lot. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I couldn't really say, hey, just trust me. Yeah. I think I tried to sanitize it once or twice, and it just wasn't <laughs> the vibe. So I wrote all this new stuff for the pandemic. And then now that the pandemic's kind of passed us, I said, well, I better do something with this. So I want to film a special called the pandemic special. Yeah. And then I'll put it out and we'll kind of see, you know, uh, what people think of what I was doing then. And then I filmed another special three weeks later uh-huh. called the philosophy circus, a totally different hour. Uh-huh. So I did two specials in the span of three and a half weeks. Jesus Christ. Which was pretty great. But I had all that stuff ready from before the pandemic. Uh So I said, let's just do it. And I had a date in Tampa. I wanted to do it at a theater. The Tampa Improv is in like a theater. And so so the pandemic special started out as that. And then you know this. In in stand-up... We were doing a weekend. The worst show is almost always Second Show Friday. Yes. Right? What's your theory as to why that is? Um, they've, they've come in. They've already drunk. They've already been drinking. They don't really want to be there. They're tired from the week. They worked all week. The work week. Yeah. Yeah, so they're exhausted, and they come in drunk, and then they're drinking more. So I thought, Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, that there is a bachelorette party with a city inside it. And so I figured this is going to be a mess. I love Nashville, yeah. Yeah, Nashville is fun. It's fun. And I was excited about the crowds, and I wanted to do it at Zany's because I had this great idea for the background. And it also, Zany's was one of the first places I played because it's only the crazy places that were open during the pandemic. Yeah. And I had a great idea. It says Zany's there, which is a silly name for a club, and it has a funny sign. And so I made about 15 other signs that look exactly like it, but with fake names of yes. comedy clubs yes, so like chuckle that. bucket and you know the whistle willy and pun comfortable silences and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so that it was great well i went into the second show and i told the director i'm going to maybe have to riff you know this might just have to be um if they get disruptive then we you know we've got seven cameras but we'll just shoot all the yeah. crowd work and I get out there on stage, and immediately, it's an amazing audience. I'm like, this is the special audience. I don't know how this is happening, but they are so great. Yeah. And then a guy in the front row starts heckling me. Yeah. And I'm like, no. So I think, okay, maybe I'll just ignore him, you know, and then kind of, you know, he'll stop. And he didn't. He kept Is this Jonah? Of, this is Jonah. Yeah. It's, it, there's an amazing part in the special, guys. You have to watch it because there's a guy in the front row who heckles TJ. And, and so I think he's this drunk guy. Yeah, and he's not and drunk. I thought, yeah. And so I kept, you know, and finally I talked to him. And at once, all of us in the room were like, oh, he is not drunk. He's developmentally challenged. Yes. He's like a special needs. Tell me, what's that moment? Because I was watching that moment today because there was like a short that came up. The moment where you're like, okay, this guy's heckling me. And, I, and now you're like, oh, wait a minute. He's developmentally challenged. What goes on in your brain, like right there? Well, I saw it, and you can see me in the special kind of being like, oh, whoa, <laughs> all right. But it's a long answer of why he wears cargo pants, but he never has anything in the cargo pants. Right. 
And so I kind of took that all in. Yeah. And then I said to the audience, I want you guys to know that I am not going to make fun of him at all. Yeah. And they just went nuts. They were so excited. And I think a big part of it was because there was so much tension. What is TJ going to do? Because I think they were like, he insults Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. In Silicon Valley, he insults everyone. And so they just expected I would maybe go out. And I kind of, I sort of said, uh, you know, no, I've got to let them know that that's just not who I am. Yeah. So then he interrupts me again. I kind of incorporate him. And then I start to incorporate him more and more until finally he becomes kind of the star of the show. Uh-huh. And you have to watch all the way through because at the end there's this amazing closer where he and I throw a shot on the... I mean, you have to see it. Yes. But it's great. And so after the show is over, I walk back to the green room and I go, I think that's the special. And right away, Kate, my wife, comes back and says, um, uh, I, th- I think that's it. And the director also is like, I think I'm going to pitch to make that. This. So we use that as the special yeah. foundation. And then we cherry picked you know, other stuff that was maybe better in other shows, put it together. And the first cut was an hour and 10 minutes. And then we just hacked away at it, uh-huh. uh, trying to get it to about 50 or 55. We got it around there. Then we kept kind of cutting and making it tighter, tighter, YouTube tight. Yeah. Um, is what I like to call it just now. And I'm not sure I'll ever say it again. It sounded kind of lame, but also really savvy. Okay. When you said YouTube tight, I was like, this is not something that would come out of TJ Miller's mouth. No, it isn't, and it but won't it, ever again. Yeah, but it did. But it's the Jason Nash. Yeah, I podcast. say YouTube tight. Yeah, you do. YouTube tight, because I well, make YouTube videos that need to be You know, tight. tight. So you know exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it was going to be on YouTube from the start. So we got it down to where I love it, and it's 45 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's tight. So it's not even an hour. It's, it's really, tight. really tight. It's TikTok tight. It's TikTok tight. Yeah. It's triple T, baby. It, isn't it all the same now, TikTok though? Tight. Like. I think I think five years ago, it, the comedians they weren't putting the specials on YouTube, and now you do need to be YouTube tight. You know, it's well, all you become- need your special to be on YouTube. Yes, I think it only has prestige to be on Netflix. I don't think people go through Netflix now and just search and say, "I'll try this new comedian." They already did that. They watched all the stand-up comedy yeah. that they need to watch or want to watch on Netflix. But now YouTube, you're just kind of trolling. Somebody sends you something that's good. It gets in your algorithm. Then uh-huh. the next thing comes up. You say, oh, I like that comic or I like that guy. And so that was originally where I wanted to put it. And I'm so happy it's there. And now it's kind of that work of promoting it, promoting it, yeah. and not having access to certain stuff that these other guys have access to. Uh-huh. I call them the uh, white guy mafia in New York city. And it's, you know, Dan Soder, Joe list, Mark Norman, big J Okerson, yeah. all those guys. And those guys are all like Rogan people. Uh-huh. And so you I, but I don't have access person. to Joe Rogan. Nah. You could be a Rogan person. I don't understand. Why you, you would think, wouldn't. but I, I teach it. You're as funny as they come. I mean, come on. Thanks man. But you know what? I had like really weird, strange beef with Dane cook. Uh, like uh, he's not a Rogan person so long ago. He, he is a Rogan person. I've never seen him on Rogan. Well, he was on, this was years ago and I was making fun of him cause he was being awful to this guy in the audience. I remember this Twitter rant. Yeah. Yes. And so I did this Twitter rant and I just didn't think that if you have 34,000 Twitter followers that anyone was paying attention. I don't know why, yeah. but this is a long time ago. And so he went on Rogan and he sort of trashed me. And Joe Rogan, I think, kind of was like, yeah, who is this kid? 
Uh-huh. And what he, so I think there might still be some of that. You know what? I don't think so. I think we all grow up. I don't know Joe Rogan. Yeah. But I think we all grow up as people. I mean, yeah, for and, sure. And, and, and I, I, I don't think that people care about something that happened 10 years ago. It's like, you really I just don't think so, but he's got so many. So the point is not that like, oh, I wish I could be on Joe Rogan, but it's going to take me a lot more promotion uh-huh. to be able to, and it's wonderful to be on your podcast because we can actually talk like comedians. Yeah. Whereas I was doing a radio tour this morning from 6 to 8 a.m. and did that yesterday as well. And the first show today... Uh, I said what I said to you and the radio host was like, okay, great. Thanks for that. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Cause I took up the whole like five minutes. The funniest thing today was I did Mario Lopez right before I came over here. Joe, right? much don't be. Oh yes. <laughs> Name drop. Holy shit. And how do you look? He incredible, right? He looks great. He's guys timeless. Fun. I don't yeah. know what he's doing. Yeah. He only, he only drinks water. He doesn't eat. He only drinks what? Um, water. He doesn't eat. Looks like. And it was so funny because I told him the whole spiel. And he's like, thank you. for That was a whole session of therapy right then and there. I said, thank you. And he was like, so tell me about Deadpool 3. Can you, are you going to be in Deadpool 3? And I'm like, I can't talk about that. And then as soon as I made a joke or two about that, he's like, okay, well, thanks for joining us. So it was just that trying to get me to like slip out something about Deadpool 3. Are you in Deadpool 3? Absolutely not. I I read you were. Absolutely not. I read you were. But I can't tell people that because they're all like, oh, really? Oh, man. There's nothing to be. So I just go, I'm not allowed to talk about it. I have so many things I want to talk to you about. The first thing I'll talk to you about is Deadpool 3. (laughs) That's right away. And that's why I'm right here. And if you can't say anything about it, you and Mario Lopez can go fuck yourselves. I made a movie. In 2014. Yeah, Jason Ash is married. Yeah. And I was, I, I shot it on weekends and I would see TJ doing stand up all the time. You were so funny. And you had been in some stuff. You hadn't done Silicon yet, I don't think. So you weren't no. like, but you definitely had been in a lot of stuff. And you came out to my ex wife's house where we lived and you just fucking crushed it in that movie. You are the funniest thing in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's great. I wouldn't say that, but I love the movie and it is no. a stalking stuffer. I say as a guy who's played Santa Claus and Will again, okay? <laughs> it was a stalking stuffer full of like cameos and bit yeah. parts and all that of all Andy your friends. Andy Richter, Rob Corddry, Paul and, Shear, yeah, yeah. Izzy Phillips. So many great people and that's because everybody loves you. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a Jason Nash thing. He's hilarious and everybody nice. loves him. It's really nice. But you just... um I remember you came in and I was like, I didn't have a script or anything. I was just like, you're my manager. Don't need one. Yeah. You're my, you're my LA manager. That's all I said. And you just built this like insane character who was fast talking and it wasn't Ehrlich. No. You, weren't, you weren't obnoxious. You were just. Um, well, every manager in Hollywood is a little bit obnoxious. Just well, not as bit. obnoxious as Ehrlich. You were just no, kind of no, like. You're right about that. Exactly. And it's weird. People want me. I played that in a for a guy who's a, a presentation. I was somebody's agent. And then I did a movie. Drew Barrymore and I did a movie called The Stand-In. Yes. And that's, I play her manager in that also. They came to me for that. They did. I don't know why. I guess they kind of think I play a lovable asshole. Yes. But then I don't do that in any children's films, obviously. <laughs> and How to Train Your Dragon, I'm like, shut up, you fat idiot. Like. It's none of that. Where did you, when they come to you with Ehrlich, right? Yeah. What do they say? 
Did you audition for that? Yeah, they you kind did. of wanted me. Did they say blowhard? Did what? they say like a douchebag, obnoxious? No, he kind of. They wanted me to audition. I didn't want to do television anymore at that point. It was actually kind of interesting because I said, I've been on two shows. They're great shows. They were both canceled. Yeah. I did two pilots. They were both great pilots. One was really good. The other one was kind of good. One was directed by Sean Levy, who like yeah. is one of the funniest directors of all time. And neither of those got picked up. And so I said, look, I've done four television projects and they've just been disappointments. I can't sit here and be like, oh, I made so much money. And I certainly can't sit here and say, I'm excited about doing another thing that's going to get canceled. Yes. And so I said, from now on, I only want to produce television because I had produced the show called Mashup on Comedy Central, another show called Goreburger, which was on YouTube and then on Comedy Central. And, you know, I just kind of was done with it. I wanted to write movies and be in movies. That's it. Mm -hmm. And do stand-up, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I kind of... Um, they came to me and said, look, they're interested in you just auditioning for this thing. I said, I don't want to do television anymore. As well as Mike Judge. And I had worked with Mike on Extract. Yeah. And so I said, well, if it's Mike Judge, yeah, of course I'll go in and audition for him if that's what he wants me to do. So I go in and it went really well. And then I heard from him that he didn't imagine, he imagined the character to be like, look like Penn from Penn and Teller. So kind of curly hair, long ponytail, mm -hmm. glasses, short and squat, like a short, fat guy. And he said, so you're not that. And I said, well, I can change my appearance. And I did that for him in extract. So he yeah. knew that I could do that. You gained weight? A lot of weight. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was happy to do it. And then, yeah, it's so fun to gain weight. You just replace water with beer and you only eat carbohydrates. Uh, cutting weight is... Is weird. It's have not as fun. To, have you ever had to cut weight for a film? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They ask you, TJ, you need to drop Well, 30. no, but it's a character that just is got not going to be a portly man. Got it. Got it. He's a, an, eng, you know, an engineer and a rig worker in an underground water, like, you know, underwater space station thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's not kind of like hanging out, <laughs> eating Doritos and seeing what's on television. So the way you cut weight is you don't eat any carbohydrates and you yes. only drink water and eat like fish, protein, and then vegetables. And then you stop eating six hours before you go to sleep. And is that hard for you? Not after a little while. Yeah. You could, like after maybe two or three days, yeah. then it's fine. I struggle with my weight all the time. So I, I What's love that? to hear. I struggle with my weight all the time. So you start. I struggle. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. is insane because you've never. I think that's more struggling with neurosis than weight. Uh, I mean, I'm addicted to food. Yeah, but I've never seen you like... You didn't see Other me. than you are right now. I can show a pic right now. Okay, there it is. <laughs> see how fat I am? Oh my God! <laughs> Jesus! It's a miracle you're alive! Okay, okay. And I think you should be killed for ever looking like that. I want everybody to know that I couldn't see the picture. <laughs> Uh, go ahead, okay, go back. so you struggle, you struggle with weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you, I mean, it's, but this is about cutting weight, not maintaining weight loss. Uh-huh. So what you do is you start by not eating two hours before, then you don't eat four hours before you go to sleep, then you don't eat six hours before you go to sleep, and then you stop drinking water and everything else before, two hours before you go to sleep. Uh -huh. And then you can lose about, I mean, if you're me, you can lose about a pound and a half, two pounds at night. Yeah, it's nice. It's pretty crazy until you get to a certain point and then it's like takes a little bit longer. But I really think like um, 
it was it was worth it. I mean, in extract, I shaved the side of my head, dyed my hair black, all the stuff. And then for uh, for Silicon Valley, I did that. And Thomas Middleditch, who played Richard, is a um, he's like my uh, original improvisational partner, like an improv partner from Chicago, Second City. Yeah, and we used he never did Second City, but we used to um, do a two man show. Yeah, so it was really insane that he had gotten to that point. And I kind of... He's incredible in the show. Thought, yeah, this is going to be great. We auditioned and I sort of riff and he did his thing. And so I got the show. And then I was like, all right, well, I'll do another pilot. I'll make some money for the pilot. And it probably won't get picked up. And I went and as we were shooting the pilot, it was going great. But we all thought nobody cared about Silicon Valley enough to watch a show about it. And it amazingly... They took... I remember one of the managers actually took a picture of all of us. He's like, everybody getting together. And we all got in and he's like, there it is, the future of comedy right there. And we all kind of were laughing. And I remember all of us on the cover of Wired magazine yeah. being like, wow, that guy really does know his shit. Yeah. And he knows when something is great. Um, but I, and I love doing that show, but I got to a point where it was kind of time to leave after the fourth season, around the fifth season. And a big part of that was I was doing stand-up the whole time I was doing the show. Yeah. So you'd have a 5 a.m. call. I mean, you, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I would Tell have a 5 a.m. call and <laughs> get there, do 12 hours of work, 14 hours of work, it, and then everyone else would go home and go to sleep. I would go eat something and then go and do like a show or two shows, then hang out afterwards to bring it all down, talk to people. And then I'd get up the next day at 6 in the morning so I was just like exhausted a lot of the time um, and just trying to do too much. And so after five years of that, I was kind of like, I think I got to jump ship here. I was doing films. Really nobody else in the cast was doing films. Martin Starr was doing stuff. He's always done stuff. But nobody else was really doing that. I did Deadpool while I was, you know, yeah. in, in the show. And so I had to miss stuff for promoting those films. And I kind of said, I'm starting to sleepwalk through this. And so I got to jump ship. It's incredible that you um, would walk away from that. I mean, that takes balls. I mean, it was. And I also think that it's incredible your commitment to stand up. Um, yeah, to, I love to, it. To go through that because you know, when you're out there doing stand up, you are at your funniest, right? Like it, that, yeah. that, you bring that back to Silicon Valley. When you get yeah, back on set, right. right? Because that that muscle is just so. When rock I did hard. Unstoppable, this movie with Denzel Washington, I drove forty five minutes to do a five minute spot, <laughs> and then forty five minutes back. But it helped me because I would go, I'd do it, and then the next shooting day, I would feel very like confident, and I know, okay, yeah. there's about a hundred people that really loved my yeah. stuff. So I can bring that in. So it's exactly what you just said. I yeah. think that's exactly right. I want to do stand up again. Yeah, just, you don't do you don't I'm do stand up so right yeah. now. Really? I, yeah, I want to. I did it in 2019. I did 31 shows around the United States. I that's was, great. Yeah, I was playing like 300 seat rooms. I had a 45 minute act that was mostly stories from YouTube and like uh, 15 minutes of like jokes and then like two long stories with jokes and it was awesome yeah that's fun that's stand up right um the rooms were full and then my uh my agent came and saw it and he was like 
you got to work on this. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Really? That's yeah. what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> what a great agent. Because you know, you know, it's like to get to be where you are or it's like, a, like a Mark Norman or a Sam Morrill, somebody like that. I mean, they're, they're at the funny bone. They're fucking there for five, five shows, Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, someplace Sunday night, two shows. You know, it's like, yeah, that whole thing. And then, you know, more than that though, Mark Norman and these guys just do stand up every single night in New York city. Yes. When and they're they don't not do on the films. road. I, they were on the podcast. They don't do film. They don't, they're not. No, 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 no. no. I mean, Joe list was the guy that, Wrote something with Louis C.K. and then yes, he was in that movie. film. Yeah. But I'm not sure that translates to any other films because he was paying him, playing himself, which happens. You know, Pete Holmes did that with Crashing. Kumail did that with The Big Sick. Yeah. And so if you find a story that's about your life and it's really engaging and then you do it on film or television, it's great because you're not acting, you know. But a lot of these guys, I think, just can't or wouldn't be actors. But the, And I talked to Mark Norman about this. But the problem in some cases is that um, you kind of, I said to him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that I can never be the best stand-up that I could be yeah. because I've wasted so much time acting. Guys, quick break in the action to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Yes, SeatGeek, the one and only, the best ticketing app out there. The only ticketing app that I use. You guys have heard me over the years talk about SeatGeek. They've been with this podcast from the beginning. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, SeatGeek. And thank you guys for going and downloading the app and continuing to support SeatGeek because they are incredible. With SeatGeek, you can get tickets to almost anything. Concerts, sporting events, live theater. So go right now and download the SeatGeek app. Just have it on your phone. You don't have to buy tickets right away, but it's good to have it there so you have it when you're ready, when your favorite artist comes to town and SeatGeek always has the best seats. You can get really great seats on SeatGeek and you can get cheaper seats there, whatever you need. One of my favorite things about SeatGeek is you can get the tickets last minute. You can get them day of. They go right to your phone. I was in Boston last year and my dad was talking about the Celtics a lot. So I decided to surprise him. We went to the garden. We brought my son Wyatt. We had the best time. Three generations of Bostonians sitting there watching the Celtics. It took me back uh, to when I was a kid and when I used to watch uh, Larry Bird and, and, and all the great uh, Celtics players. And I got to see the team now and they're actually pretty good. And that is all thanks to SeatGeek. We got great seats. We got them last minute. And if you go to the link in the description right now and use my code Jason, okay, guys, I'm going to tell you something right now. This is really cool. You're going to get $20 off your first order. $20 off your first order. That's incredible. Just download the app. Go use my code Jason and you're going to get a discount on your first purchase. Truly incredible. All right. Back to the podcast. I guess I guess that's your cross to bear, isn't it? The fact that you got into films, got into TV, yeah. were fucking you DJ, you fucking kill it in in well, these roles. Come on, Cloverfield. Yeah. Uh, Office I saw Office Christmas party in the theater. I like that. It was fucking dope. Yeah, I love Jason Bateman movie. too. Yeah, he's great. He's great. And, and, and Jennifer Aniston's great. She's just always great. No? Can't stand her. Close personal friend of mine. No, like Jennifer Aniston, like I, my heart stops when I, when I see her. Oh, I thought you were like, Ugh, that's it. Podcast <laughs> over. I fucking hate Jennifer Aniston. No, I fucking love Jennifer Aniston. But, but I guess, I guess that is like, you know, you're, you're, you're tortured in a way because. Tortured is a hilarious way of putting it. Here's what I <laughs> no, thought that are. was interesting. Here's you what know, I Bert, thought. Bert Kreischer said the same story. He was doing Travel Channel and all Yeah, totally. Stuff. And I heard this story. Bert told me 
that Bill Burr and Rogan pulled him aside and you're like, what the fuck are you doing travel channel for? Go out on the road. And he, yeah. he quit all of it. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's what's been so great about these last three years. But I was building so much momentum and then the pandemic happened. Yes. And I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or this is just the way things go. But now on the road, I'm sort of selling less tickets. Uh-huh. And well, and also it's, you know, they say inflation and people don't have dis, uh, disposable income. But then whenever people say that, I'm always like, are you just telling me what I want to hear? Because you can't trust agents and managers. No, and everybody's like that. hurting right now. So everybody. that might be the case. But what I do realize, and I hated this, I was in uh, this is the comedy zone in like Charlotte, North Carolina, I think. And uh, Hef, who's the guy that books all the comedy zones, he owns the Southern Territories, essentially. There's like the improv, the funny bones, and the comedy zones. And he said to me, I said, well, you know, most people don't know I'm a stand-up. And so they come because they've seen me in film and television. And he just straight up was like, and that's the way it'll always be. And I was like, what? And he was like, that'll always be the case. And he was basically saying, you'll never be a good enough stand-up that people like want to come and see your stand-up. And I just remember hearing that and I was like, well, that's just not true. And his voice has returned to my head several times kind of since that because it is people now, it's very strange. They're starting to know I'm a stand-up more. That's another reason I did the special and I'm putting stuff on Instagram and TikTok and all that. Um, But... It's when I see people, they're excited to see my stand-up. They love the stand-up that I do. But people love me so much in film and television that all I hear is like, what are you doing next? What's the next thing? So that's a strange kind of, that's more of a cross to bear because me saying I'm just doing stand-up, I'm touring all over the world doing Uh stand-up, in people's minds are like, ah, that's such a bummer. I'm going to fucking Norway and like selling out huge theaters. And everyone's like, well, keep at it. Some guy said that to me after a show. You just keep at it, man. I was like, I just made more money than you do in like six months. Right. And you're just like, that's ah, a shame. But I know you can do it. People don't He's a fucking care. dentist. You know what I mean? But they don't care. They don't. And know. what's been weird, though, is that lately I have, and I know I'm like jumping around a bunch, but lately. No, it's great. I have heard the weirdest a Ukrainian woman in Washington Square Park, like mystically, was like, um, "I I cannot wait to see you again in the films. It's time." And I was like, "What?" And she's like, "You know, I know the problem, but it's time for you to go back. You know, you're yeah. so good. So I look forward to seeing you next." And then Lil Rel showed up, and we're homies from like Chicago because yeah, I, I used to play him. the South Side. And he's so, so good. Um, yes. And I told him, like, you're a movie star, man. You're so great and get out and all this stuff. And he's like, thank you. He's like, man, you have a gift from God, man. It's time. It's time, man. Same day? Gotta get you back. No, it was like two days later, though. Okay. And then my buddy, I'm going to tell the story, but I'm going to have to kind of shroud some of it Deadpool 3 style. And um, my buddy was, it's not... He wasn't really my buddy. He's now, but he's you're so you're you're not married anymore, right? No, not anymore. So when you're married, you remember that you such a strange thing where your wife's friends have to be your friends, and your wife's husband, if he's anything cool in any way, shape, or form, 
he's your friend. He has to be your friend. And so there was this guy. I mean, you had that, right? I mean, it's a, it a big reason for my divorce. Was, really? Yeah, was like, I was hanging out with the same six people every night. Telling and they're the her friends, not your friends. And she doesn't want to hang out with your friends because they're all drunks and fucking stand-ups and cool <laughs> she people. She used to call them the B team. Well, really? <laughs> oh, boy, you're better off. You're in a better place. That's for fucking no, no, sure. No, no, she's great. She's great. She's great. Uh, hey, Martin. Oh, she doesn't watch this. I just remember. No, not at all. And I'll tell you, <laughs> you fucked this one, didn't you? Uh, so, you know, I... She and her friends, this guy's wife, were both like, you guys need to work together. But he's a composer. He's a musician. He writes rock operas. That's cool. He's a painter. He paints vaginas using color theory. (laughs) He's a weird dude, right? But he's very funny. I always thought that when I was hanging out with him, I was like, God damn, this guy's so funny. He's like, he could be a comedian. That's how funny he is. And one day... We're in the elevator. This will be a great story if this ends up happening. This will be like such a fun story in the podcast. So one day we're in the elevator at my building and Kate and I are in this small little elevator because it's New York City. And so we're in the elevator and we're going up and Maddie, Kate's friend, says, um, Jay, to her husband, Jay, you should tell TJ your idea for a movie. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> This is going to be terrible. There goes 20 minutes of my life. Yeah. Because everybody's got an idea for a movie. Everybody thinks their life is so crazy it should be a movie. Everybody. And all of the ideas for movies are terrible. Yeah. And no one's life is interesting enough to have a movie about it. Not even mine, really. Yeah. But he's my wife's friend's husband. So I'm like, okay, here we go. And then he's very reluctant. And then he goes, yeah, and it's a Christmas movie. And I was like, no. Hang on. 45 minutes of my life. There's no good Christmas movies. There's been like five great Christmas movies in Bad the Santa? history of Santa. Elf? Well, Bad Santa is good, but it's not a great movie. Oh, I think that's Elf. Pe- yeah. People love Elf. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I watched it. It's a great movie. I don't know. Office Christmas Party is a better movie, I think. It's more heartwarming. It's more real. Bad uh-huh. Santa is a little gimmicky. So, and so is Office Christmas Party. There's the gimmick of being yeah. R rated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but really, it's like Elf, Christmas Story, Die Hard. A lot of people argue about that. Um, but it's a fun movie to watch on Christmas, almost to be contrarian. And then Home Alone. Yep. And what else? Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life. That's it. Well, what else has been in- from a sales point, a Christmas movie is a good idea. It's a good, I, it, it, isn't I it? Would, I would later find out that it isn't really. Oh, it's not. But oh, for whatever reason, it doesn't play outside of America that very well. It plays in the UK. But in South American stuff, they just don't, Christmas isn't the same. I guess. I thought it could be worldwide. It could be all this stuff. So I, um, so I hear, I hear the, I go, okay, what is it? He tells me the story for the, he tells me the story, his idea for this Christmas movie. And I'm like, that's the greatest fucking idea I've ever heard in my life. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That is so no fucking way. amazing. It was. And it was the greatest idea. And I was like, God damn it. And I said to him, that's such a good Jonas. idea, but I can't do anything about it. There's no one to pitch it to for a bunch of reasons. But one of them is I am, uh, I was the star of a Christmas movie. So I can't really, I can't go and be like, hey, I have another idea for a Christmas movie. Um, let me play Santa Claus again or something. <laughs> And I say, so that's a bummer. That's too bad. So then I'm editing Dear Jonah, the stand-up special, now streaming on YouTube. And I kind of, like, 
I don't know. I just, I was like, this is so amazing. It was at uh, these two huge directors who cast me in my first television show that I did and carpoolers. And so I was like, I don't know. It just felt like this was the right place to edit the special. So I was asking about them. I haven't seen them since the, and so I was asking about, you know, what are they up to? And the director of my special who works at uh, the production company says, well, they're finishing this huge movie that just came out, you know, um, uh, it's on Netflix, it's a giant movie. So they're preparing it or for premieres, but to premiere, then they're dealing with this Amazon series that is just like a disaster and they're having to reshoot it. And, so that's a real conundrum. And then they're like trying to figure out an idea for a Christmas movie. Oh, and I was wow. like, what? And he goes, yeah, they're tr- they want to make a Christmas movie, but they can't figure out like a great idea. But they've been working on it since Christmas. So for like eight months. Or yeah. And I was like, I have the greatest fucking idea for a Christmas movie of all time. It's my buddy's idea. But yeah. So then one of these guys shows up uh, to the production company. And I was like, tell him, you know, I'd like to go over. I'll go say hi. I went, I said, hi, we sat down, talked for like an hour and a half, just catching up, hearing him. Oh, I said, and then at the end of the meeting, I go, I heard you're looking for an idea for a Christmas movie. And he goes, yeah, how did you, yeah, we are. And I said, I have the greatest idea for a Christmas movie of all time. It's actually my buddies, but it's amazing. Yeah. He's like, are you serious? Oh yeah. With your sensibility, that would be so fun. Yeah. And you could tell he was like, I never would have thought about, but yeah, I think TJ is so funny that. And I said, well, I'd love to pitch it. Me and my buddy need to work on it, but we'd love to pitch it to you and yeah. your, you know, partner. And I go, I go, so, you know, let me know when they can do it. He's like, yeah, absolutely. That would be great. So then we prepared the pitch for like a month. I was in my head like, he's never going to take the pitch. I don't, you know, you start to become a basket case, yeah. especially because this was going to be a $200 million movie. Yeah. A huge Oh, movie. really? Because it was for them to direct. Yeah. And so we come in and we pitch and I just kill the pitch. I kill it. And I, my guy he does so well. We'd worked on it so much. and He was so funny and it was just amazing. And then of course we're like, all right, we knew it was a great pitch. We're like, all right, well, we'll see what they want to do. And then they asked to do a follow-up call. We go to the call and it was really weird, but they were like, cause my fear was we love the idea. TJ can't star in it or these directors aren't going to direct it or it needs to be done for a much lower budget. Yeah. So we went in to this meeting and they were like, these guys are not going to direct it. You need to do it for not 200. Excuse me. Wow. I almost died just then. Um, We, uh, we've got like, we can't do it for $200 million. Uh And we were like, how much can you do it for? And they were like $55 million. Okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be a tough one. But immediately we started talking about how we can do that because, of course, yeah, we can. Of course you can. And then they were kind of like, but you can star in it. You're the star of it. And so that's really the only thing that would have been a deal breaker, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now we're working on this idea. We have to go back and repitch it to them as a reimagined $55 million movie. But uh-huh. we're working on that right now. They were also pitching it to Seth MacFarlane's company tonight. In fact, in three hours. Tonight? Yeah. And um, Is your buddy who draws vaginas coming with you? Yeah, he's in on all these things because he's so funny. And it's his idea. But we put together a pitch that's like really good. And he's a good yang to my yang. He's, you know, I'm me. I'm like, oh, God, I jump up and I'm talking about this. And look, it's like yep. this. 
and he's sort of he's very stoner very chill mm -hmm. dresses kind of like a rocker but not in an annoying way okay so it's a good, like an good interesting team. way mm -hmm. so yeah it's very different he's yeah. kind of more like this and then they sort of but it's not too stoner. yeah it's sort of and then so they walk outside and the alien ship lands on the white house lawn <laughs> and you know they lower the chimney and so that all that stuff he does really well yeah and then I'm kind of, you know, I'm doing both a pitch and an audition. So it's a pitch and I'm doing the part of the, and acting ah, stuff you're out. acting it out. Dude, this is so fascinating for people at home to, to hear about a movie pitch. Yeah, that it is, is cool. interesting. You kind of, it can't be too long because if you lose them at any, any one moment, then you're in deep shit. Um, so you want it to be about 15 minutes long. Ours ended up running closer to like 2024, 20, but it's so entertaining because I do this thing people aren't going to be able to see it, but I'll sort of explain it. And I'll be like, so then he gets to the alien ship and then they've like set out this big, like banquet, you know, all this stuff. And it's like cookies and like, you know, like different types of milks and things. And he starts to realize. And so then he's kind of like, he realizes, Oh, he's kind of high status. So he's like, Oh, cookies. Hmm. Let's see if they're up to Santa's standards. Hmm. Oatmeal raisin. Huh? And they're like, Oh, sorry. We also have chocolate chip. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. I, uh, I like raisins. I just don't like oatmeal. What do we have here? And then I finish the scene and I'll come back Damn. down and sit down and then I'll kind of go. And so then what they're going to do is he needs to go back and his sister is waiting for him. So that's the best thing you can do in a pitch because it keeps them so engaged and they're watching a performance and it was going so well, Jason, that at one point in my mind, I was like, you need to hold for laughs. Yes. It, they were laughing so much that I was like, if I go in too early, I'm going to step on the laugh. <laughs> so at that point, it's a full-on performance. They were just cracking up. And you're doing all of the heavy lifting for the writers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, nice. The guy who's the writer, he's not going to jump up. He's not. No. But those breakouts are what made it, like, work and made yeah. it really, really good. And so... Uh, you know, now we're going to kind of reimagine it and Sick. we're going to go and pitch it sort of lower key to Seth MacFarlane's producer because I kind of soft pitched him over the phone. Yeah. So he knows the, the thrust of the idea. But yeah, we're kind of on track to make this movie with this incredible production company. And so I think if this works, which I kind of weirdly feel like it will, I think it we will. were like getting ready for this meeting yeah, and we were in Washington square park and we we're like talking and I got Kate, these two benches for her 40th birthday, we're like talking, looking at it. And, uh, and then we turn and there's a wizard reading tarot cards. We're like, <laughs> what? And it's this guy with a wizard hat. He's over there. He's reading tarot. And I go, maybe we should go over there. And he goes, are you sure? And I go, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it was like, we got to do it, you know? Yeah. So we go over and he reads, he does a tarot reading and it was amazing. He put down like, he's like, I'm not going to lie to you. So we'll see, you know, and sometimes it's not great, but then you can think about that and you can always change your future. You asked and him about your future. We asked him about the movie. About the movie, yeah. And we what said, what said? we want to do is we want to save Christmas. And he was like, let's start with the movie. Let's just get the movie made. Right. And he kind of um, started pulling cards and be like, whoa, well, this is very auspicious. And they said, oh, this, this is what means this. And it was so bizarre. It was all good. But he told us, what you need to do is there's great outlook on what's going to happen. And then he goes, but to do it, you need to get the thing done first. And then you'll see it in success. 
right? And then you'll watch the success that might come with this card. And then he says, oh, it's going to be successful. And at the end, he's like, and it kind of will bring light to people's lives. Yeah. And even he was kind of being like, yeah, this is sort of weird. And he was too real for him to be acting. I know this because I'm a terrible stand-up. And <laughs> the, uh, the tarot reading was right because what they said was, we like what you're doing. We want you to do it. We want you to finish the sort of treatment of this and understand what the movie is and then we'll let you go and make it tell me about wait can i show you something let's see it this is something that you did that i thought was fucking incredible let's see it okay hold on let me look it up we're looking good thank you guys and please uh check out dear jonah it's streaming on my youtube channel right now if you like it tell people share it they, if you don't then just don't don't they talk should, about it they should go and leave a comment and share it. I, don't yeah. know. I didn't add anything to that. No, that's right, though. Leave a comment. <laughs> I don't know as much about YouTube as you do. I that's could, I sort of what I'm you. saying is you know everything. I do, I do. Angle. I was forced to. I was, um, I was doing stand-up at the improv. I was completely broke. That movie failed that you were in. and I Failed in terms of what? Because people loved it. I love it. It didn't. Um, oh, it got me another movie, and that movie failed. <laughs> Sometimes we forget the ones that failed. And then I quit. What was the name and, of the failed movie? FML. Okay, I'm gonna watch that. Uh, no, don't. And I, I um, I just quit on on movies. I, I didn't. One, I couldn't afford it to continue to go in there and pitch and write stuff. Someone offered me to write a weed movie for free, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just kind of, um, and so I just started doing YouTube. But this, I just thought this, this was, was the right decision. Obviously, yeah. I had two kids. I had to put food on the table, and it, it's you know, I'm happy. I like I like YouTube. Okay, this is. You won. Well, the, what you understand is that it's the future. You knew that before any of us. I did know that. Yeah, and I knew it a year or two ago. I was like, "Let's just shoot the special and put it on." But my agents were like, "No, no, no! You gotta, you know, we're gonna try for Netflix." Well, they want a big check. They want they yeah, want exactly. a million dollar check from Netflix, and they get one hundred fifty thousand dollars or hundred. Yeah, exactly. But no to, and Netflix to, isn't paying that. You have to be careful about agents. Yeah, you do. Even the ones that have your best interest, they they're getting paid. You know, and they're going to direct you where the money is. And you're not somebody who's ever thought about money. You've walked yeah, away from when some- I went When I walked away from Silicon Valley, I could feel that HBO was like, because they wanted me to do like three episodes out of 10 or something like that. Or yes. They said seven out of that. 10. And I said, no. Because you had such a great ending with Earl. Yeah, I had such a great ending. And yeah. they had given me that gift and I was so excited about it. And I felt like Hollywood was kind of like, wait, you're going to quit? Don't you want to be a TV actor? And I'm like, no. Like, well, don't you want a boat? Don't you want to buy a boat? And I was like, no. I really, I don't. I want to live in New York City and be a Manhattan stand-up comic. Don't want a boat? And I want to live, you know, in New York with my wife who I get along with and is really cool. And so, no, I don't really care about hey, money. Have you, have you, you, you basically. I mean, you got to make money. Obviously. No, obviously. You say whatever you want. I mean, you really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I know like from doing part, this show, yes. I really guard what I say. I don't want to start beef with people and I don't like saying bad things, but you really, have you ever thought to yourself, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. I do more now because after I had sort of this spin out and this really a manic episode. You, uh, have, a, you have a brain disorder. Yeah. I have cerebral. A, I had an AVM as an arteriovenous malformation. And they did brain surgery and they took out a golf ball size of my brain right here that was never used. It was malformed since I was a child. You don't have a scar. 
I do. It's behind my hairline, which is a good thing. They took out a golf ball tumor? Yeah, not a tumor. It was just a malformed piece of my brain that didn't come together when I was a child. So I have mania because I have less brain matter than the rest of you four. And so my brain has to work like faster and overtime and all that. That's why I need to sleep. And I just started working with a neuropsychologist after I had this misunderstanding with the federal government. Mm-hmm. And we worked that out. Good. Okay, They understood that they were in the wrong. Um, and you know, I just, after that, I started working with a neuropsychologist who does this thing called uh, cognitive remediation, which didn't exist when I got the surgery. It's a recent field. Ah. And so now I do think about things before I say them. I do sort of, I am kind of medicated to be able to make that, but the medication that was keeping me alive for about 20 years, no, sorry, 10 years we found out after I switched it to this newer medication that it creates impulse control problems, mood instability, and irritability, and the things that have been a problem for me. But my neuros, my neurologist never told me about that because he was like, what are you going to do, not take the medication and die? Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he didn't even mention any of that stuff. My wife was like, well, we could have used that because then I might have understood a little bit more of how he's been for the last 10 years. But that's sort of what it was. I I really related to what you said in another interview. I think you were on Steve-O's podcast, but I'm bipolar. Are you really? Yeah. And so I- I I had one psychiatrist that says it's a genius disease. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Kanye? Jason Nash. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I really related to it because- you were saying you go to a certain point where you're gone. And, and I get like that. Yeah. And I once like you're that. manic, you kind of don't think that you're manic. Yes. But I don't have the depression. You don't. So I don't have the whole like wallowing for several days, not wanting to leave, giving up on everything. I just have the like, brrr, and I have trouble accessing any of that sadness and stuff because my brain doesn't work like that. You don't get sad. And so... I used to, I don't do anymore. I used to drink and smoke weed because then it would make you less inhibited. And then I could like get in touch with that sadness. It was really weird. So it's taken a lot to kind of, again, remediate what it is that I do cognitively because like all of you guys feel tired. Do you guys drink coffee? I do. Oh, you do? So almost everybody feels tired and I never feel tired. So in the morning, I've never had a morning where I wake up and I'm like, oh, God, I need a cup of coffee. So I don't drink coffee. And when I do, it makes me really fucking speed it out. Yeah. Which can work sometimes because if I'm like physically exhausted, I'll be like, but I have to look in the mirror and say, do I have physical signs of being tired? Or if I'm yawning a lot, I'm supposed to say, okay, that means that I am tired. So now I need to go lie down and try and go to sleep. Uh So it's a weird thing where it's tough for me to sleep. It's not insomnia at all. It's just a lack of, once I lie down, I go right to sleep. Uh-huh. It's just that that part of my brain that says, okay, can I just lie down for a little bit? Just doesn't happen. It just the doesn't up, exist. The stand-up lifestyle is not not good for sure sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I even, I, if, I, if I were to do a show at get off stage at 1130, I'm not going to bed. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right? You're, like, you're up, right? But you, get, you, go, you go do the funny bone, you get off stage at 11, whatever, yeah. and then what? And then you got to wind down. So Where do you do to at, wind down? Where do you I do? mean, you know, you have drinks in the green room. I used to go out but you don't and just kind of chill. So what do you no, do? I drink. Oh, you do. But I don't, um, I can't go out. So usually for me, it's chilling out in the green room, talking to some people. If they have a 
bar where it feels like I can go and be safe, then I will do that. But it's just to come down, hang out in the green room for a while. And then I go back to the hotel. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what it is now. And I never understood that. Somebody mentioned that years ago. They said, David Spade, all he does, he does the show and he goes right back to the hotel. And I was like, what a bummer, you know, because he could go <laughs> anywhere and do anything. But as you get more famous, you kind of realize, like, that's really not fun. You know? Right. Tell, tell me, I, I want to ask this before I lose you. When you go into a, a set like Office Christmas Party, you're, you're a comedian, okay? You're very funny. You know you're funny. Now, though, you're in a room with Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston. Like, what? I'm, I try to put myself in that position, like, trying to be funny with them. It must be, are you just stone cold? You're good? You're like, I'll just do the best I can? I'm going on a wire act right now? Yeah, you never Are you intimidated? Them. No, I'm not intimidated. I think that's why these people like me. Right. As do you Wahlberg. start busting balls right away? Yeah, with Wahlberg, I really bust balls. You did? Yeah, but, and he's a great guy. He's a friend, but he's, but Steven Spielberg, I think, likes me because I'll make fun of him, you yeah. know, and tease him. But um, <laughs> That's with your say. Jason Bateman and your Jennifer Anisons or any of those people, Ryan Reynolds, you Ryan don't. Ryan Reynolds, insanely yeah, funny. You don't, he's so funny. You don't really say you're a fan until much later or yeah. never. Yeah. You never go, I'm such a fan. You just don't do that. I'll remember this. And then I kind I of make part. jokes. Um, yeah, you're just joking around. I just don't really think of them as like, and I actually hate when people say this to me. Yeah. Um, so I don't, would never say this to them, but I just treat them like they're just another person who happens to like be in this business and be very successful at it. Right. But, you know, if you're starring in a movie or if you're one of the stars in a movie, and you're kind of doing the same thing as them. You just don't. So it's, it's easy to be chill. And these people are so great. Like Jason Bateman is so nice. Jennifer Aniston is the best human being of all time. And, you know, I think also it helps if they've seen your stuff. Yep. And so they like you and they're like, you were hilarious in Silicon Valley or any of that ah, kind that of stuff. That's a lot. So that's helpful. But no, I mean, you just go in there and... You want to be funny on film. That's what you want to Is do. Is there somebody that you've acted with that you were like, oh, damn, this person's got crazy comedy chops and you were blown away by? I was blown away by Jonah Hill. Ah. I didn't think he was going to be that funny. Fuck yeah. Right. And, Jonah Hill. I didn't find him to be super, super funny. I thought he was good and super bad. But outside of that, I never was like, whoa. And then he did this scene with me at the hotel and get him to the Greek and he was just like riffing and he was every bit as funny as me. Yeah. He actually had a riff that was kind of funnier than mine and people quote that to me. Really? Where it's like, I'm looking for a guest. The name should be H-E-R-O-I-N or something like that. <laughs> and he just, he was so funny. So that blew me away. That yeah, was the cool. moment. And which is hilarious because he's considered a comedian or used to be. Um, that's really but cool. yeah. And I think... You know, yes, if this movie sort of goes, which I think it should, it's sort of perfect. And I think people love it. And I think it's going to be so good because it's the perfect part for me. Yeah. Because in reality, that's why Office Christmas Party worked. In reality, I love everyone and want them to have a great time. Yeah. Let me, let me show you this. And that's kind of my whole thing. Oh, this it, is the thing that you said you love? This is you winning Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series at the Critics' Choice Award. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was fun. Okay. So... You, it's so good. Yeah, and it's all improvised. Think, you, first of all, you, they, you don't know if you're going to win. 
No, I think I thought I wasn't going to. Okay. And so I said to Kate, I'm like, this will be so funny. When I lose, just put a bunch of food in your mouth at once. She, of course, was like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, my makeup costs $135 or whatever. Right. But I did it. I put all my food in there and kind of went to look and be like, uh. And they were like, TJ Miller. And I was like, oh, shit. So I go on stage and finish the food that was in my mouth. And then I kind of did exactly what you said. I just said, you know, something ridiculous about That's a awards tough and how useless they are. Yeah. And then the next year they asked me to host the Critics' Choice Awards. Yes. And then later I gave myself the award. I was up against myself. I gave myself the award for best supporting actor in a talking bear comedy. Yeah, I saw that. And, uh, and that was so funny because we filmed me three times to put me in those boxes and then it was really me. And then I win. Yeah. And the other three boxes me are like, ah, fuck, shit. And the other one's like, I think that's great. So that was one of the funniest things ever. But that came from doing exactly what you said, which is just saying whatever the fuck I want. Because right. people find it really authentic. But then the thing that I've learned you can't say is I gave kind of an authentic interview about my exit from Silicon Valley and my time there. Because yeah. everybody always says it was like family. It was such an incredible opportunity to be with those people. And I kind of said, you know, I hated the showrunner, but Mike Judge is amazing. And right. I had problems with Thomas Middleditch. She always wanted the funniest lines. But I gave this really authentic, in a manic state, kind of. And it was awful because, of course, the media just cherry-picked all the bad things I said, mm -hmm. didn't put any of the good things that I said in there. And it really fucked with my life in Hollywood because people are like, we can't trust him. We don't know what he's going to say. Yeah, He won't lie. He won't kind of put on that veneer. You regret that? Um, no, cause I learned a good lesson from it mm -hmm. and I think it wouldn't have mattered, mm -hmm. um, ultimately, but, um, no, I don't. What I regret is like not kind of saying enough of how privilege, what a privilege it was to be in Hollywood and how lucky I felt. I think I just didn't say that enough because I was a stand up. And now I'm finding out that the stand-up and the film and television are much more symbiotic than I would have thought before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because I was like, I'm every bit as competent at being a stand-up comic as I am at film and, film and television voiceover, at acting, I guess. And that's just not the case because I was in Hollywood doing stuff for 10 years. And then I've only been doing stand-up full-time for like five years, sort of. Do you have a relationship with the Silicon Valley guys still or no? Sort of. Martin Starr, I think, is a really funny guy. I talked funny. to him, Kumail. But Mike Judge and the other writer and director, Clay Tarver. So I'm still, I'm, on, I'm absolutely texting yeah. with them and on terms like that. But, you know, once you leave something, you don't really see those people very much. And you don't really reach out to them very much. Like, I'm homies with Kristen Stewart. And if I texted her, then I, but I may not see her for another year. A great Jason Bateman story is yeah. I got to tell Bateman. this guy. Yeah, let me do this and let's pause. Okay. Um, so a great Jason Bateman story is that um, I um, I asked him one time, I was in his trailer, and I said, how often do you see your friends? So I just wanted to know that because he was talking about Wahlberg and Bateman likes directing, but Wahlberg doesn't. And Bateman was like, yeah, I guess he felt like if he directed, that takes up three slots out of the four that you have a year. And so that's, and I said, yeah, that's two movies that he couldn't do, you know, cause he's in the one, but you gotta do pre-production, post-production, everything like that. And so I said to Bateman, I go, how often do you see your friends a year? Cause he, he works all year, no matter what. Yeah. And he said, 
let me put it this way. Will Arnett is like my best friend, like yeah. absolute best, best friend. He's my sponsor. That's how close we are. Yeah. And he said, if it works out, I see him maybe, only if it works out, things line up. I see him maybe once a year. Yeah. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, we'll have dinner like once a year maybe. Wow. And that's how much you're sucked into movie star land. And you live on a set and it's like summer camp. Your friends are the people that work on that set. Unless you have the money to bring an entourage, which yeah. I've done before. And that's fun. How many people you bring? I just had a bodyguard and then my sort of social liaison and an assistant at one point. But, you know, Chris Stewart has an entourage of like six people and Wahlberg has something similar. Um, I, you you got to do that because otherwise Jason Bateman has no one. Yes. And so you got to do that in case. Um, so that's the one thing that I don't like about acting is it kind of takes you away for these long periods of time. That's the really cool thing about YouTube is my friends are the ones in the videos. So we're constantly together, constantly going places, yeah. constantly making content. And I would, I would hang out with them anyway, even if the cameras weren't on and it's right. not on the same level as a movie, obviously. And it's not as difficult as making a movie. No. Well, that's what's nice. great about it. And it is difficult. I think it's really difficult because you are, I, this one guy told me this, he does like a Wisconsin show and he's very Wisconsin and that's his deal. He's very successful on YouTube. And he said he moved to Milwaukee. He was in Los Angeles because he just wasn't getting the kind of stage time that he wanted. And all of his videos need to be in Milwaukee and he mm -hmm. has access to all these Milwaukee people. And he has to make a new YouTube video every three days, maybe definitely okay. once a week. And he said, it's just so rough because you're such a, you're a slave to the content. You are. And I thought that was interesting. So I think YouTube you stuff is just as hard uh, in a different way. Yeah, it can be. But it, I think sitting in a trailer is hard. Like, yeah, it is kind of. That's hard. But it's funny because my wife, Kate's always like, um, she wishes I was w working as a movie star more than as a stand-up because she feels like I'm in and out of town and it's so difficult and all that. And uh -huh. I totally get that. Um, but when you, if, I'm, if I star in a movie, I'm gone for three months. And I'm like, and I don't get to come back. You take her there. with you, right? What? Do you take her with you sometimes? I mean, she'll go for a little bit, but, you know, she has her own job. She's an installation artist. It's tough. She's got a studio in New York City. Yeah. So that's the thing with stand-up. I feel like I see her every week. With uh, film, I would see her maybe a few weeks out of the year, maybe a month or two months out of the year total. Mm. That's like not a lot of time. Not a lot of time. So... I, um, that's what's so crazy about this movie is that, and I'll make, I want to make this very clear. And this is something that I think I coined this phrase from pitch to premiere. There are a thousand ways that your movie can not get made. Right. But there's only about five as to how it can get made. Uh -huh. wow. And so there's absolutely no chance this movie we're writing is going to get made statistically. <laughs> There's not a chance in hell. No one. No one even gets to the pitch level. Yes. Much less the idea of selling it. Much less the idea of being told you have to decrease the budget to $55 million. Yes. But nobody makes a movie. And that's why it's so insane that and so many movies are not good. How do you, live with, that? How do you live with knowing that it's basically a, 
a shot in the dark. I think it's kind of fun. You do? Because I'm, like you know, I really, my philosophy that I think is really good, because it's been now, end of June was sort of, so it's been July, August, September. So it's been three months that we've lived in this, like, what's it going to be? What's going to happen? And my philosophy, which I think works really well, is I live in just the possibility of it. So I kind of live in the idea, this is happening. We're going to pitch this movie. They're going to want to buy it. You just and I'm going to star in it. Good for you. And that's it. And these guys are going to direct it, and we're going to write it, and it's going to be amazing. Uh-huh. And then once we get past the pitch stage to where we are now, the $55 million stage, now I'm like, the movie's getting made. We're going to find an amazing director for it. This budget is going to be perfect. It's going to make the writing better, and I'm going to star in it. And as, as of now, that is happening. As of now, it's quite possible that that will have happened in like three years, and I'll look back and be like, man, it was crazy how freaked out I was. Because yeah. then this ended up happening. I should have known. The, the tarot card wizard told me yeah. that this was going to end up I, being amazing. I was, I was just listening to Billy Eichner on Conan's podcast. And he was yeah. on Conan's podcast in 2019 saying, I want to make a romantic comedy uh, about you know two gay guys. Yeah. And then now he's on there. And now and it's he happening. Did it. he and he's it so funny. If you want to... Let's pause I, I now. Just wanted to do but that's also a great t- ending. Oh, but yeah, go ahead. Two TikToks. Guys, what's up? We're back here with TJ Miller. We're going to take a look. This is, this is the most searched questions for TJ Miller. Here we go. Uh, do I have to figure out? All, all you do order? is just peel it off and answer. In order? You can you go out of order if you want. Uh, you, do you know what they are? Probably. Um, um, yeah. I, I, one I, is, uh, who is TJ Miller's wife? Well, you don't have to guess it. You can just peel it. Okay, let's see it. Oh, I think I can guess What's you on the cover of Wire? Yeah. Wired? Yeah, let's... What is T.J. Miller doing now? A motherfucking podcast. Good. And a new special called Dear Jonah. Yeah. What has T.J. Miller been in? Not really anything. <laughs> Not very many things, but I'll say I'm doing... Yeah, Dear Jonah on YouTube right now. That's what I'm doing right now. Stand-up special. What voices does T.J. Miller do? I would... That's... I've never Googled what T.J. Miller, so that's pretty interesting. Quite a few, including the Mucinex man. I used to be that talking booger. (laughs) Jess, eyes on the screen. (laughs) And my eyes are up here. Thank you. (laughs) Jess, don't stare at his crotch. That's crazy. Shoulders. Crazy. Um, Uh, What other voices do you do that we haven't heard in maybe a film or a movie? Anything do you do, like an Italian chef or anything like that? Oh, something that I've never done before? I do a good old car horn. It's really good. Thanks, dude. Uh, Spicy Italian chef. I do a really bad New Zealand accent. Oh, let me hear. That's all I can do. That's actually pretty good. Thanks. I have a friend who's New Zealand. New Zealand where? I love Auckland. That's good. It's better than Wellington. What happened to TJ Miller in Silicon Valley? What happened to Ehrlich? We talked about that. I left because it was the perfect exit for him to be in an opium den forever. Who does TJ Miller voice? Who does TJ Miller voice? What voice does TJ Miller do? I guess that voice. My voice is actually almost more famous than I am. Your voice is insane. Lots of people go, I heard your voice, and I came over, and it was really you. So they didn't even look at me. They just heard me. Very strange life, Jess. It's almost like being from Auckland. Who does TJ Miller sound like? Like me. Right? Who does he sound like? People used to say Jason Lee. Oh, yeah. My name is Earl. I get that. Here we go. 
What? Who is T.J. Miller married to? That's the one. T.J. Miller wife is one of the first one that comes up. Kate Gorney, installation artist who goes by Kate Miller when she's not uh, producing art. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind of art? Installation art. What is that? So she'd come in here and she'd create a whole working environment for us to interact with. It's pretty cool. It's really she'd nice. cover that up. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that is. How tall is T.J. Miller? Strange story. I always thought I was 6'2". Then I went into my doctor in uh, New York, and I went, and he said, you're 6'3". And I said, no, 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 I'm 6'2". And he said, no, you're 6'3". And I said, okay. (laughs) He's like, it says it right here on the scale. And I'm like, all right. So then I leave. I came back like a year and a half or two years later or something. He got on, he goes, you're 6'4". I said, no, I'm not, man. Come on, that's ridiculous. He goes, you are. And I said, I'm not 6'4". You said I was 6'3". He goes, are you calling my scale a liar? Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I wouldn't do that. So I guess I'm 6'4". You just kept growing. Or I cut weight and I'm less this. Okay. That's the, and I do push-ups. So I'm much taller. Where is TJ Miller from? Auckland, New Zealand. Auckland. No, I'm from Denver, Colorado. 303. Mile what's, high till I die. What's great? What's great about Denver? It's the best city. The weather is better than any other place. Yeah. And it's a city that has everything, that it's a mountain town that's a huge city. Yeah. A lot of cowboy hats there when I was there. I don't think you went to the right place. I grew up in, in the Denver. inner city of Denver, right in Capitol Hill, like 11 blocks from the Capitol. Dangerous area? Yeah. I saw some guy get shot. We saw yeah. some guy get shot in the dead end. What kind of kid were you? Um, I was a young one. Pretty yeah, young one, white. White, especially when you were seven or eight. You Fully were very white, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven or eight, I was young. I grew up young. Young and white. Yeah, I grew up young. And then I, you know, <laughs> at this point, a lot's changed. Are you okay? Yeah. What are you thinking about? What's in that head rattling around? I don't think you are. I think you're thinking about your future and what happened. <laughs> Mistakes that you made, regrets. This is Kate, the owner of the on. store, uh, owner of Happy Face, uh, where we're staying. This is this is Kate. TJ's talking to her. Hey, Kate. I like that name a lot. I, I like that you've talked to the people here. You're the first person to do that. Everybody else is fucking weird. Yeah. All right, here we go. Never have I ever. You ready? Never have I ever. Never have I ever been fired. You have. Do you need to say never have I ever? Yeah. Do you? I think you just need to say been fired. Well, for the first one, I think it was important that I say never have I ever so we can give. If I've made you angry, I want to apologize. <laughs> Cut the camera. Katie, cameras. not a fan of I'll try not say. I'll tr- so strange to see Jess have a great time. And Katie just upset about her outfit, about how things are going in her business. Oh, my God. It's probably running a little too long for Kate. She'd like to go home. Okay. I think that's what's going on. She's welcome to leave at any point. She has the keys, so she has to lock up. She's welcome to leave the keys here at any point. <laughs> and I'll head over to her house after this because had to put up with this type of baloney. I'm going to try not to from say. From a CBD store owner. Broken the law. Broken the law. Taking a lot of CBD. Broken the law? Yeah. Google it. Oh, yeah. But never on purpose. Right. Made a fake social media account to creep on an ex. Yeah? I think I've made a Twitter <laughs> and kind of gone and checked people out. Not uh, too much creeping, but yeah, I guess that's find, creeping. Find out anything good? 
No, just that she seemed unhappy even on a roller coaster. It's always And you the know, way. there's some been some mistakes made. Katie, were you just recently on a roller coaster? Because you, you look like you're ready to leave. All right, go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, never have I ever stood up a date. Good man. Okay. Never have I ever used a dating app. Never? Never used a dating app. I guess you, you got married pretty young, right? Can I ask you a question? Not too young. We've been married like seven when, years. When, when we were real? shooting the movie... You were yeah, seeing somebody. Was that Kate? No, that was Charlotte, the unhappy roller coaster lady. Oh, okay, okay. Because I remember you asking me about marriage and stuff. and I did because I was thinking of getting engaged Getting to her. engaged, yeah. And I remember that being like, I don't know what to tell you, man. This shit sucks. Because some mistakes in my life, but married one of those mistakes. Nothing. <laughs> I didn't follow it. You married one Katie. of your mistakes? No, 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 so I'm using this to talk. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. So I'm like, uh, made some mistakes, I... but married one of those mistakes. Got it, got it. And been ahead of Jason Nash almost the entire show, but <laughs> thought that he wasn't one of the smartest, funniest guys in the game. I got to read this. I'm over here. Go ahead. I'm trying to get you out of here. Never have I ever. We're both trying to get Katie out of here, ultimately. Yeah, that we got to get Kate, Kate out of here. Okay. Never have I ever clogged a toilet. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, Kay, were you mad that I called you Katie? Were you mad that I called you Katie? Okay, that's great. Well, I think it's more Kate E right now because it's Kate. Because it's Kate E. We got to get out of here. Oh, she's laughing now that I'm talking about her. <laughs> Are you my dad? All right, go ahead. Never have I ever gotten into a physical fight. Yeah, did you win? Pretty big. Yeah, I is actually Nikki Glazer and <laughs> these two, these three guys were like freestyling. They're drunk and they're like NYU students, white kids, and they, um, Nikki Glazer and me and Rebecca Trent, who owns the Creek in the Cave, which was in uh, Queens and then now is in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Great club. Um, we all got arrested for smoking pot on the street. So actually been arrested. It wasn't on purpose, but I was doing something illegal. And then we got out of jail and we were all, the three of us, so pissed. And we were walking back and these guys started talking shit about Nikki and Rebecca and how they were ugly and just making fun of them being mean. One of them said, that guy looks like the guy from Yogi Bear 3D or something. This is a long time ago. Right. And we just ignored them. I think I spit towards them. I was like, you guys, these are, don't do this. These are women. Don't talk to women like that. We got in the car and they came over and started kicking the car. But Rebecca had parallel parked. Yeah. So to get, it was really a tight. So to get out of it, we had to go like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> they were just kicking the car and yelling and be like, come out of the car. And so I said, let me out of the car. And the girls were like, don't go out there. And I said, just let me out. And I open it. And I go, what are you guys doing? And they go, we came here to jump you. And I was like, I'm pretty sure when you jump somebody, you don't tell them that ahead of time. <laughs> and then they didn't know what to do. And like one of them pushed me into the car. And I got out and just fucking laid out three of the guys. No, you didn't. Got back in. And I was the hero of the century for Nikki. She'll yeah, talk yeah. about it for Nikki and Rebecca. And uh, yeah, that's the time Before when I got in a physical fight. Fuck defending him. a woman's honor, Kate. Never have Sorry ever. to say it, but that's the kind of guy I am. And if someone's at my empty CBD store and having a great time, I don't look at them like they should be out of here ASAP. 
Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> Never have ever snooped through someone's phone. I got to say. I don't do that. I got to say, I don't think. I mean, it would have been maybe one thing. Here's what I do. Never snoop. But if I get a hold of Kate's, um, not the impatient Kate, the incredibly patient wife Kate, and uh, she, uh, <laughs> if I get her phone and yeah. she like leaves the room, I go and I start deleting emails. <laughs> Just like spam emails, emails from stores. Because she has about 2,460 unread emails. So it's a service. It's and nice. it pisses me off. And she like doesn't want me to do it. Yeah. It's so, I couldn't deal with that. There's a thing do you called, have a lot of unread stuff that you just never get through. There's a thing called. Do un- you guys? Do you guys have emails that are unread? Yeah, you do. And do you have like hundreds? Is a thing called really? unroll me. Unroll me can it'll take you off all the lists. You just go through there and you go, and you'll never get another email. That's amazing. Well, I unsubscribe advertise. from all those things. It's an advertisement. Unroll me. Not an ad. Um, but yeah, I couldn't stand that. I'm always so frustrated. Yeah, that's crazy. Never have I ever had a near-death experience. Oh, wait. What are we talking about? I had brain surgery. Right. We're 10% fatality. Oh, so oh, oh that's really? pretty so near to death. One out of 10 people die. Yeah. Were you scared? No. They said to me, one day, you'll have an incredibly judgmental, impatient woman. <laughs> overlooking what you're doing with the banana man and uh i don't know i was scared about that but i thought to myself it'll never come true i'll live in the possibility of that and then here we are putting on a happy face <laughs> guys go to happyface.com and check out their cbd products and don't, but don't, don't take too long cake. on the site otherwise <laughs> she'll make you feel like shit Okay, this is the last thing we're going to do, and then you're done. I'm excited. Rapid fire questions, okay? I love these long, did you get these long ones on purpose? Yeah. They're yeah. fun. They're very Price is Right. Yeah, that's the idea. Very Bob Barker. Okay, burritos or fajitas? <gasps> fajitas. I agree. Isn't that weird? Some people, my buddy, who I'm going to meet in a little bit, he loves burritos, and I don't understand it. It's Too just heavy. a full tortilla and all of this rice for no reason. Yeah. I love fajitas. You're making your own stuff. I just want the meat, the sour cream, and the veggies. Breakfast burritos, though, on the other hand. No. No. Okay. I've had them. What's the secret to playing a talking ball of mucus? Just keeping it fucking mad sick, yo. (laughs) Who's sexier, Mark Wahlberg or Ryan Reynolds? Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds turns me off. I like the way you said that. No, thanks. I like the way you said Mark Wahlberg. You were like, you felt it like in your loins. Yeah, I love him. Mark Wahlberg. He's great. His work ethic is very attractive. Quick Mark Wahlberg story. Go. Um, God, there's so many. Well, that's a great story. I was making fun of him because he always brings up being in prison. <laughs> and so all the time I'd be like, we get it, Mark. Everybody knows you've been in prison. And then we were on his private plane and he just all of a sudden turned to me and he was like, yeah, I have been in prison and I bring it up a lot because I feel very fortunate that I'm not there anymore. <laughs> and I have some friends that weren't able to make it out, but I've been able to make it out and look at what I built for myself. And I was like, well, that's the last time you were making fun of Mark Wahlberg about uh, being in prison and talking about it a lot. But uh, then I'll never forget. He was like, that's man, there's awesome. this woman, Katie, that is going to make you never want to have a happy face. <laughs> Ever again. Uh, have you seen J.J. Abrams without his glasses on? No. 
That's a great one. <laughs> I'm gonna stop looking at Katie. I'm I've, only gonna look at Jess. I've never been. I've never seen JJ Abrams without his glasses on. I don't think it exists. If Michael Bay is watching, what would you like to say? I'm sorry that we didn't connect <laughs> to do the pitch in Miami this last weekend, but it just didn't work out, and maybe that's for the best. But it would have really been fun just to see you because I love hanging out with you, man. You're so fun. He sounds like an interesting guy. Yeah, I hated working with him at the time. Right. But I really ended up, he's a friend. I really like him. I think and and so a master of his craft. Yeah, of course. Fucking he invented sick. a genre. Yeah. yeah, sick. Okay. Do you have Jennifer Anderson's number? Yes. Hell yeah. How much money would I have to pay you to do a Zoom show? A lot. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it a lot. It'd have to be like, yeah, it'd have to be like a corporate thing, like $7,000 or something like 7, that. 7000 that's it? Well, I mean, you get to do it from your house. But seven grand, it's a, it's a lot of money. Well, I don't I know how you were doing. Obviously, in YouTube, he's doing really well. Ever got high no, with... I mean, I'm seriously, I would not do a Zoom show. I know, anyway. <laughs> Ever got high with Jimmy O. Yang? No, I haven't, but I'd love to. He's I just funny. talked to him recently. He's great. I love him. He's so funny. I love that guy. Uh, would you be friends with Ehrlich? Yeah. He would. 100%. Because I know how to like do the whole thing with him. Because he's actually kind of insecure. That's what was so sweet about him. Right. And I am not. So I would know how to kind of have a good time with him. But he would be awkward around me because I'm famous. Yeah, he would. That would he, be a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets weird around famous people. Uh, what did the pandemic teach you? That at any moment, everything can be taken away from you. <laughs> and then it might be nearly impossible to build back from that point. That and I get along well with my wife. I think what is this? Is this just... <laughs> All right, I think why it... did you decide to do this? We could go out on that. And I not think. put flowers? It's just a really strange it's, thing. Uh, it's an art installation. It is. Yeah. And Kate would just really think that's a piece of shit. What's your wife's best quality? What? What's your wife's best quality? <laughs> Patience. <laughs> Kate, you ever heard about that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, being her, she's just so absolutely. That's sick. Yeah, she's so smart and she's so. But the best quality I think she has. Yeah, this is it. She lets things go. She'll say that's ancient history. And that'll ruin a relationship. So if you keep bringing up stuff from the past, you're never going to go forward. And she's really good at being like, yeah, that happened. I was upsetting, but that's that. Like I got this coat for us to share. It's this gigantic coat. And <laughs> it's like a Ralph Simmons. It's so funny. It's a clown coat. It's like gigantic on me. And I came back. I was so excited about it, but I got drunk talking to my friends. So I was just drunk and in this coat that I was going to like present to her as a Christmas or a birthday gift or something. Yeah. And she was so pissed, and I was so drunk. And because um, I was with a buddy, we were drinking. And the next day, I felt so bad. I felt so bad. And she, I like apologized for three days earlier. And she's like, Why are you talking about that? It's ancient history. It doesn't matter. Right. We're having a great time. It's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Really nice. Hard to find. Everybody should do it. They're, everyone's able to do it. Yeah. Guys, go watch Dear Jonah on YouTube. It is linked right below. It is a fabulous special full of written material and also brilliant crowd work. This is TJ Miller. Thank you so much for coming, TJ. Um, if you ever need anything, we're always here. 
Thank you so much. I'd love to come back and talk to you more. You're so good to jaw with. Thank you. And I want to say all three of you are just wonderful to work with. It's been such a pleasure. Everybody but Kate from Happy Yeah, there are four people in this room. (laughs) This is what he did in his special. He he kind of picks an enemy in the crowd and then everyone else loves him for it. And a friend. (laughs) Yeah, and friend, yeah. Dear Jonah, Jonah's my friend. Trevor, on the other hand, is a real Kate. Bye, you guys. Thanks so much for watching. Bye, guys. Thank you. See you next time. Never never had more fun on this podcast. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.